Chapter 32. Last night, a DJ saved my life. Well, Davery says, who's going in first? Not me. This close to the gym, we can feel the dance music thumping under our feet and hear voices inside laughing and shouting. You know, Davery says, we've survived red-eyed monsters, rocks that want to crush us, and reeds that want to slice us into deli meat, but I think I'm more afraid of what's behind these doors. High school kids, we both say at the same time. At least it sounds like they're having a good time. I stick out a leg. And we do look fashionable. He shakes his head. Remember what the song says. A prom of thorns. Thorns, Najoni. This is not going to be good. I swallow nervously. We have to go anyway. I know. One. Two. And before I can say three, the double doors swing open. Welcome, shouts a friendly voice. It's a boy in an honest-to-goodness tuxedo, black pants and jacket, and he's even wearing a black bow tie speckled with tiny fake diamonds. He's Navajo with short black hair and dark brown eyes. Brown eyes are a relief. I was half expecting them to be red. The boy looks a little like my cousin Freddy, except Freddy's not as cute as this guy. He gives me a big grin and holds the door open so we can enter. Come on in! Might as well, Davery says in a sigh. Not surprisingly, the gym is decorated for a school dance. Rainbow striped crepe paper streamers tang tastefully from the beams and are taped up in flower-like clusters along the walls. Giant poster board picture frames hand-painted and liberally sprinkled with glitter invite kids to pose for photos with their friends. On the stage is a huge video monitor playing short clips of what look to be the best moments of the school year. Sport events, science fairs, plays, Class trips. Spotlights hit the disco ball that hangs from the ceiling, making the room twinkle. Round tables that seat at least eight people in each line the dance floor. The centerpieces are colorful balloon arrangements accented with ribbons and confetti. Loose balloons float lazily around the room, drifting around the dancer's feet. As DJ spins beats, earphones press between her shoulder and right ear as she works her deck. I recognize the song she's playing. It's the newest radio hit. The one my dad always turns off because he says the lyrics are not appropriate for kids our age. Nobody here seems to care that we're too young. I look around and realize there are no adult chaperones, only teenagers, and they all seem to be having fun. Would you like some punch? Another voice says. We turn. A girl's holding out two plastic red cups. She has on a beautiful silver dress that sparkles and stands out against her brown skin. Her black hair is tied back with a matching ribbon. Thank you, I say, taking the cup. I'm actually pretty thirsty and the punch looks delicious. Don't drink it, Davery warns me. I stop. The cup is already halfway to my lips. Uh, why not? In all the stories, the heroes go somewhere or drink and eat something that's been enchanted and then they get stuck there. If the heroes never eat or drink anything, how are they going to survive, I whine. They would die of dehydration. Davery frowns, shrugs off his backpack, and digs around inside it. Remember how you didn't want Mac to drink soda pop at Spider-Woman's house? It's the same thing. He hands me his water bottle. Have this instead. Let's not take any chances until we figure this trial out. Disappointed, but seeing how he might be right about not ingesting food or drink from strangers, I set the cup down on a nearby table and take a swig of his bottle instead. The water's warm. There's no way it tastes as good as that punch, but I swallow it anyway. We make our way around the gym, looking for signs of monsters or anything that might resemble the thorns of the song warned us about. To my surprise, 
Everybody's friendly. They greet us with smiles and seem to know our names. A couple of kids ask us to join them at their table, but Davery says we shouldn't, so we keep moving. Don't accept any gifts either, he warns me tersely. Why not? That's another trick they use to trap you. I sigh and take another drink of boring water. I don't think anyone's trying to trap us. Maybe this isn't a trial at all. It could be just a chance to relax, like we did at Spider-Woman's. Maybe Rainbow Road knows we need a break. Davery gives me a look that says, don't be naive. Whatever, I say. I watch a boy and girl skip by headed to the dance floor. The DJ starts up a new track and everyone cheers. Hey, isn't this your favorite song? I ask Davery. He pauses to listen. It is, he says, surprised. I know all the words. He sings a little and his voice is perfectly in tune. Since when did you learn how to sing on key? He presses his hand to his throat. What's going on? Why do I sound so good? A girl comes up next to us. It's the same girl who offered us punch, the one in the shiny silver dress. Do you want to dance? She asks Avery. His eyes get really big and he looks at me for help. Mm, he can't dance. Oh, come on, she says, laughing and grabbing his hand. One dance won't hurt. I'll show you some steps. How about you? Asks the voice behind me. Care to join me? I turn to see the cute boy in the tuxedo standing behind me, his hand extended. I glance at Davery and he shrugs. We haven't had anything to eat or drink in this place, so maybe dancing's okay? Sure, I say. The four of us walk to the middle of the floor just as the DJ starts a new song, and this time, it's my favorite. I decide that, after everything we've been through, I'm going to have some fun and dance with this cute boy. After the song is over, a new one starts, and I can't believe it, but it's my second favorite song. So we keep dancing, and then some new kids join in, and there's a big group on the floor, and everyone's super nice, unlike my classmates back at Ix. These kids like me. When we take a break and sit down, the high schoolers want to know all about us. So we tell them about Mr. Charles and the buzzers and the trials we've been through. At first, I thought Abalone Shellboy was going to crush me with his fist, Davery says. But then I impressed him with my knowledge of sea snails. Next thing I knew, he was handing me a chunk of his shoulder. The girls surrounding him with oohs and ahs. The rock call was closing in. I tore down that corridor with super speed. The night vision really helped, I say. Night vision, says the boy in the tux. That's so cool. Davery and I exchanged grins. We felt like superstars. I thought having ancestral powers was the best thing in the world, but this might be even better. There's a break in the music and I lean over to Davery. We're popular, I say. I've always wanted to be popular. Yeah, these kids are pretty decent, he admits. He looks longingly at the punch bowl. Next to it, someone has put out a tray of cookies, chocolate chunk, and even some sugar-free vegan oatmeal ones. I suppose it would be okay to have some refreshments. I was hoping you'd say that, I say, laughing. We rush over to the snack table, load up on a plate of cookies, and grab two cups of punch. This is the best party I've ever been to, I say, stuffing a whole cookie in my mouth at once. I wash it down with the punch, which is cold, sparkling, and delicious. I only wish Mac were here with us. Who? Davery asks, taking a more restrained bite of his oatmeal cookie. For a second, I can't remember who Mac is either. The name's so familiar, though. Uh, I'm not sure. Hey, beautiful girl, the boy in the tuxedo says, coming up beside me. Ready to dance again? I, 
Does the name Mac mean anything to you? I feel like I should know who Mac is, but it's just out of my reach. Oh, come on, the cute boy says, taking my plate from me and setting it on the table. Let's dance our cares away. No need to worry about Mac or anything else. The next songs come on, and the boy starts singing along to it. Beautiful girl, lovely dress. It sounds so familiar, but I can't recall the name of it, because it's gone. Daddy gone. Daddy gone? I stop in my tracks. My dad, I say. I think... I, I think he's in trouble? The tuxedo boy grabs my hand and pulls. No, forget about that, he says. I tug my arm away. No, my, my dad and, and Mac. Mac's my little brother. Mac's my little brother. How could I have forgotten? No, oh, no, Davery was right. This place isn't good at all. I follow Tuxedo Boy to the dance floor and edge my way over to Davery, who's swaying in place, happily munching on another cookie. Davery! I whisper when Tuxedo Boy looks lost in the music. We've got to get out of here. What's the rush? He asks. I thought you said everything was great. Maybe it's a little too great, I say. Like, no way am I this likable. Like, this whole prom is fake. It's a trap. Just like you thought it was going to be. A prom of thorns. I don't see any roses in here, Davery says with a shake of his head. Much less thorns. Only crepe paper flowers. The boy in the tuxedo grabs my hand again, his smile fixed, white teeth gleaming in the disco ball light. Come on, pretty girl, he says again, insistent. He and I dance together for a few minutes and suddenly it all makes sense. I troll over to my best friend. Davery, I, I get it. The people with their fancy clothes and perfect looks, they're the roses because they're beautiful, like flowers. And we're trapped like we're tangled in thorns. I think getting out of here is our third trial. He considers this for a moment and I'm worried he may not agree and we'll be stuck in this gym forever. Finally, he says, you may be right taking another bite of the cookie. There's an easier way to find out. Let's head for the back door, where the rainbow roll probably picks up again and see what happens. He takes two more cookies from the table and slides them into his pants pocket. I give him a look and grin sheepishly. I don't think the food's poisoned after all, he admits, and these cookies are really good. We, me and I get a chance to eat anything until we get to the house of the sun, so... I want to roll my eyes, but he has a point. So I pocket a few cookies myself. We walk shoulder to shoulder toward the door, but immediately partygoers start blocking our path. Don't you want to dance with me, pretty girl? The boy in the tuxedo asks, frowning in confusion. Tell me another monster story, says the enthusiastic girl in the pink dress. Isn't this your favorite song? Another girl asks with short hair and diamonds on her black pants. They swarm around us, asking us questions, trying to make us stay, but Daver and I push forward, mouthing apologies, not stopping. Someone grabs at my shoulder, pulls my hoodie, and I slip by them. The crowd's getting so thick, now it's hard to move. They back us up against the wall. What do we do? Davery asks. I see a boy reach for his arm, but he manages to brush him off. I look to my right and my left, trying to find an empty space, and then I see it. A familiar red box on the wall. I think it might be time to water these roses. I pull the fire alarm, which sets off a horrible sound. The kids move back and hands have over, are over their ears. When the ceiling sprinklers kick in, spraying the entire room, people start to scream and run in all directions and Davery and I take off, breaking through the crowd. A boy in a powder blue jacket steps in front of me, but I raise my hands and push through him like a running back. He goes skidding across the slick floor. Almost there, I shout. And as soon as I'm close enough, I lower my shoulder and hit the exit door full force. Lucky for me, it's not locked. And Davery and I go through at top speed. 
We spill out into the fresh air while hands still grasp at our clothes. Davery slams the door behind us, muffling the alarm and the shrieks. Then in an instant, the whole gym shimmers and disappears. What just happened? I ask in between gasps. It was all an illusion? Good, I say. That means I won't get arrested for pulling the alarm. That gets a laugh from Davery, who's the biggest rule follower I know. As we catch our breath, I peer around. We're back in the middle of nowhere, but at least our feet are solidly planted on Rainbow Road. So we're where we're supposed to be, wherever that is. How long were we in there? I ask. It was no later than lunchtime when we went in, but now the sun is setting and the skies overhead is darkening quickly. Too long, Davery says, and we have one more trial to get through. But we still have to get the weapons and find my dad and Mac and defeat Mr. Charles. I slumped to the ground. How are we ever going to do all of that before sunrise? Just one more, Joni, Davery says. It can't be that much further. We have all night. But what if it takes us a long time to even find the next trial? What was it? A seethe of sand? I still don't even know what a seethe is. I don't think it matters, Davery says, his voice sounding anxious. Because I think the trial has found us. Chapter 33, Sandcastles. What are those? I ask. They look like mirrors? Davery's right. As we walk closer, I see that the field of yellow greens of desert grass in front of us is dotted with mirrors. The old fashioned kind that stand on two legs. I think they're called dressing mirrors. Some of them have carved wooden frames and look like they belong in an old English mansion. Then, there are modern ones with metal frames in black or silver. There's even a bright pink one that looks like it's from a child's room. What are they all for? I wonder aloud. And what do they all have to do with the fourth trial? Well, Davery says, tapping a finger thoughtfully against his chin. Mirrors are made of sand. They are? You really don't pay attention in science class, do you? Sorry. Glass is made by heating sand until it's boiling and then shaping it and cooling it, and a mirror is made by painting the black of a sheet of glass with silver nitrate. So, he waves his hand toward the field of mirrors. This looks like our fourth trial. Well, let's get this over with, I say, marching forward. I reach the first mirror. A nice tall glass in a dark mahogany frame with elaborate um, curly cues carved into the wood. I check out my reflection. Despite what the prom kid said, I am not looking too hot. I'm covered in mud, not just once, but twice today. Rained on, my jeans have a big rip in the knee from the knife-like reeds. Wow, I say to Davery. Why didn't you tell me I look like days old garbage? I press my hand to my hair, trying to make it a little bit more presentable. Who am I kidding? I'm going to need professional help. Davery's gazing into a mirror a few feet away and brushing flakes of dried mud from his shoulder. Yeah, we're not looking our best, he agrees. I turn to the side, assessing myself. When you said sand, I expected quicksand or something. I I think the trials adapt to our wonderings or thoughts, just like Spider-Woman said. We're following a map of wondering. Huh. So when I said I didn't want any more nature challenges, it took me seriously and gave us an actual prom, and now it's giving us mirrors. I bet the other monster slayers who went through the trials had different challenges, like... Their trials made sense for their time, just like ours are contemporary and make sense for us. Cool, I say. But it makes me wonder what kind of trials my mom faced. What are we supposed to do with a field of mirrors? 
Well, the song said that in order to defeat the trials, we have to know ourselves. You must know you, I quote. I remember. So maybe this is somehow helping us to get to know ourselves. All I know from looking at this mirror is that I need a shower. Okay, let's try another one. We each move on to another mirror. The one I pick is wider than it is tall and looks like it belongs above a girl's dresser. The frame is white. There are small stickers of daisies in the corners and pretty bursts of yellow petals on green stems. This one's nice. You see anything different in it? No. I start to move on, but then something catches my eye. I turn back and there's a woman's reflection next to mine. I yelp in surprise and whip around, but no one's behind me. I look back in the mirror and she's still there, standing in the high yellow grassy field, a soft breeze ruffling her hair. Davery, I say slowly. There's someone in my mirror. The woman looks about 30 and she's wearing blue jeans and a motorcycle jacket over a white t-shirt. She has a beautiful squash blossom necklace made of silver and turquoise. Her long black hair blows around her face so that I can't get a good look at her features. She seems really familiar. I reach out my hand, almost touching the mirror. I, if only I could see her clearly. She waves at you, at, at me, and beckons. Do I know you? I ask. Uh, who are you talking to? Davery asks. This woman, I can see her. I, I, I think I know her. I dig in my pocket and pull out the picture of my family, the one Mr. Charles tried to steal. I know it by heart. I'm a toddler, no more than two years old. Mac is a baby wrapped up tight in a cradle board. Dad is standing behind the woman in the front who's holding Mac with one arm and has me on her knee. I hold up the picture so I can look at it and the mirror at the same time. And for a second, I can't catch my breath. When I breathe again, only one word comes out of my mouth. Mom?